I do podcast episode 44. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're excited to introduce our guest today, Natasha Burton. Hey, Natasha. Hi, how are you guys? We're doing great. How are you today? I'm doing well. Natasha Burton is an author, freelance writer, and editor whose work regularly appears in Maxim, Cosmopolitan.com, MSN, and Women'sDay.com, among other print and online outlets. The author of two relationship titles, 101 Quizzes for Couples and The Little Black Book of Big Red Flags. She's regularly called on as a dating expert by various media outlets around the world. She holds a master's degree in creative nonfiction writing from the University of Southern California, where she formerly taught freshman composition. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, this is really something that I've been passionate about since, it's embarrassing to say, but since middle school. Um, when I was younger, I used to steal my mom's women's magazines and read through them and cut out like any relevant advice that I thought my friends should be aware of. <laughs> so it's kind of just been something that um, came, came to me randomly. And I don't know why or how, but I'm very happy that I'm interested in it and excited about it. Um, I've kind of always been the person in my group of friends that, you know, people tend to go to for advice. I love giving advice. And when I looked into writing and as a career, um, both of those things just came together very naturally for me. So it's just something that gives me a lot of joy and I really take pride in what I do. Well, I think the advice you're going to give us in particular and our listeners today is going to be really valuable. So we'll dive right into how to keep romance alive during wedding planning. We're getting married this year and so this is definitely something uh, we're looking forward to listening to. Oh, Hello. congratulations. Thank you. And congratulations to you guys, too. So, it, you know, it really it speaks to me as well in terms of wanting to research this and talking to different experts and other couples and kind of formulating my thoughts on it. So it's something that's very, very close to my heart. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure just as, as much as I can relate to it, so can you, that wedding planning can be a stressful, stressful time in the relationship. Yes. Yes, it definitely can be. I mean, I know on a personal note, there have been many nights where looking at my fiance and he's looking at me and we're like, why are we getting mad at each other about flower arrangements? Like, why <laughs> does this matter? So I think a lot of times wedding planning ends up becoming bigger than the wedding itself in some respects. I mean, as you guys probably know, you know, planning a wedding not only requires yourself and your partner, but in many cases, it also requires cooperation and teamwork of your parents, your friends, extended family. Um, I know for myself, my parents are divorced, so that's kind of another element in mm -hmm. terms of navigating the different personalities and relationships. 
So I think that the reason it gets so stressful is that, you know, not only are you planning this, you know, great event, you're also getting married, which is a huge commitment and it's a big step. And when you're bringing all those people together with so many different personalities and desires and emotions about this event, there's bound to be tension that crops up. That's more than just the flower arrangements that you may be, you know, arguing about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, in your article that you wrote about how to keep romance alive during wedding planning, one of the tips yeah. you, you give is don't replace a date night with a wedding planning night. Yes. And the reason that that was such a crucial tip for me and something that I really had to learn was that, you know, my fiance and I would carve out some time each week where we would talk about wedding planning. And we have been engaged for over a year and a half at this point. So we really started talking about the wedding early, thinking, oh, we'll just get things out of the way and we won't have to worry about it. But what inevitably happens is that that just meant that we talked about the wedding more and more and more as the date kind of got closer. And it, you know, when each person has such busy schedules, we both work, we both have friends, we both have family obligations. So the actual time we get to spend together, quality time, you know, got less and less and, you know, ended up kind of getting replaced by talking about the guest list or figuring out the seating chart. And even now I have to kind of catch myself, okay, we have a free night. Let's get out the paper cutter and cut our menus. It's like, no, we have to set some time aside for each other aside from the wedding planning. And another tip that you give to help keep the romance alive is delegate some wedding to-dos. Can you Explain a little bit more about that. Yes, of course. I mean, I think um, it's really important to rely kind of on your tribe of people. You know, every it, it can be difficult, I think, especially for women to ask for help and to say that, you know, I'm overwhelmed or to ask people for favors because it can come off as needy or, you know, putting too much on other people. But I think this is a great time to kind of exercise that muscle of asking for help and letting the people who love you and and who you love in your life to help you out because most people would be more than happy to. You know, this is a time in your life where people are excited for you for the most part. And if they're not, then clearly they don't need to be invited. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like people really want to be included. Right. And I know I certainly felt that way when my friends were getting married and I kind of wanted them to ask me to do things and to help out. So I think it's just remembering that whether it's your mom, your best friend, your sister, your best guy friend from college, if they have a talent or they have an ability to help or they offer to help, definitely don't shut them out just for the sake of pride or worry that putting too much on somebody. If somebody asks, they really do want to help you and great to let them if you are still comfortable with delegating that task. And I think there's a really fine line as to it. And I'm sure you've come across this too when it, when you're asking maybe just for advice on like decoration from your girlfriends of asking too much. You don't want to be like that annoying bride that is always asking mm-hmm. or talking about your wedding. So I think there's also a right. fine line of when to ask for help and when to just keep it between you and your fiance. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's also, it's really kind of determining like who is the best person to help you. And for some people, they don't have anybody to do that. And that's, you know, and that's, that's another issue. But I think you don't want to give your friend who spells all of her emails wrong the responsibility of doing the programs, right. you know, because they're not going to be proofread. They're going to, and, and that's something that's important to me just because, you know, the writer is like, oh, I want everything to be, you know, perfect. And I, I think most people would agree with that. But you want to make sure that if you delegate a task, it's not going to cause more stress on you because it might not come out the way that you want it. So it's almost like task like, 
doing like transportation or calling vendors for certain information. If somebody you know is really good at that or has gone through the process themselves and may have some resources for you, those are typically the best people to ask. Um, you definitely don't want to just delegate your bridesmaids and say, hey, you guys need to figure X, Y, and Z out because that that can come off as, as very demanding in some cases. And, you know, everybody has a life. Everybody has, you know, other obligations too. So you want to make sure that the people that you ask for help are actually able to help you and want to. That's an important point. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And my brother is my best man, and I'm going to be putting him to work. He he, he, he <laughs> good, doesn't. He's good. he's traveling overseas, so he he doesn't know that yet. But as soon as he gets back, he'll be ready to go. Nice. Well, and then eventually, you know, you can do the same for him. So it's, there, it's all about there you, you go. know. You ask somebody for help, they're going to come ask you for help later, and it's kind of a nice. You know, it's fun to be part of other people's weddings and have them be part of your wedding. Exactly. Well, another thing you talk about is to make wedding tasks passionate. What do you mean by that? I think that there's definitely a way that you can infuse some of the tasks that might seem annoying or labor intensive to be something fun. I mean, everybody always talks about the wedding tastings where you can go and, you know, taste the food for your wedding. And and sometimes this can be, you know, it's time consuming. You have to go somewhere, you have to sit down, you have to you know, talk to caterers and you have to choose. And a lot of that can be stressful because food is such a huge part of the wedding. But instead of looking at it as something that you have to do and gosh, this is going to take up our whole weekend. Maybe you have to travel home. Maybe you have to travel to wherever the city is that you're, you know, having your wedding, but try and make it into a fun experience. I mean, I know for us, our caterer um, actually gave us like a picnic basket of stuff. And they're like, oh, you can go home and try everything and then kind of let us know. It's like one of the kind of things that they do. And instead of just going home and eating it in front of the TV, you know, take it to a park, bring a blanket, bring, you know, a bottle of wine or walk down to a park near your house and bring a bottle of wine. Do something, well, don't do something illegal if you're not allowed to bring wine in the park, but <laughs> I'm going to condone that. But try and make it into some kind of date activity. Because I know at the same time that you don't want to turn every date night into wedding planning night, you also want to try and keep the times that you do talk about wedding planning to be fun or romantic if you can. It's definitely a lofty goal, but if there's a way that you can do it, um, I think it's definitely important to remember why you're getting married and, and during wedding planning. It can be a little difficult sometimes when you're getting upset yeah. about certain things or you have very different opinions about who should be on the guest list or who shouldn't be. So you, you want to take those opportunities when you can find them, I think. Absolutely. And you also want to remember not to hit pause on your relationship. And that's also one of your tips that you say. Yes, I think that, you know, engagement kind of becomes this purgatorial zone where you're not married, you're not uh, detached anymore, you're definitely forming a family unit. And I think that for a lot of people, engagement simply becomes the time that you spend to plan your wedding. And I have to say that being engaged for a long time, um, it was really great to have that extra time. It did make the wedding planning process a bit longer. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, you know, there was a good six months where we didn't talk about the wedding. We didn't, you know, worry about the wedding. Mm-hmm. It was just, we're engaged and we're enjoying it. And I think couples should really take advantage of that time and celebrate your engagement. I mean, when you get engaged, don't try and pick a date right away. Don't try to, I mean, unless you have to, but don't try and envision what your bridesmaids dresses are look like or your flowers. It's like, celebrate the fact that you've taken this big step. You made this commitment toward each other. And if premarital counseling is something that you guys might want to do, try doing that. Try kind of working on your relationship and preparing yourself for this new step in your life. 
because it is a big step and it is a big commitment. It's so much more than just, oh, he put a ring on it. Woo, you know, let's get married. It really is a, a big transitional period that I think a lot of couples lose and don't really take full advantage of. That's a great point to take a minute or take more than a minute, take a few months <laughs> and and enjoy just the fact that you're married. Don't worry about all the, the planning stuff right away. Exactly, exactly. It's very exciting to have that security in your relationship and having that, you know, sense of choosing each other. And I think that before marriage, it's it's just a good idea to, to celebrate that and to not, not jump too quickly into making a bunch of uh, decisions about things that you probably didn't realize you cared about until you actually have to make decisions about them. Absolutely. And another thing you talk about is trying a new activity from wedding planning. Tell us a little bit more about that. Of course. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's kind of goes hand in hand with this idea of like hitting pause on your relationship. That I think that for some couples, you know, monetary restrictions or, you know, budget restrictions may prevent them from taking vacations or doing kind of big ticket items together before the wedding because a lot of couples are not paying for their own wedding. So it might not be feasible for couples to get scuba certified or go bungee jumping or take that trip to Paris before the wedding. So, you know, I think it, it kind of depends on the couple. But if there's something that you've always wanted to do, like take a road trip a couple hours up north or try horseback riding or something that's easier and feasible, I don't think that everything should be delegated to what, what my family calls AW, after wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, you still want to be working on your relationship. You still want to be having fun together. And even though, you know, it might seem like, well, we have these table numbers to do or, oh, we have to do the seating chart. It's like definitely take time to, to try new things together and to really experience life together. There was a study that came out recently saying that more than regular date nights, it was actually a variety of activities is what keeps couples connected and close to each other. Because when you have these shared new experiences, you're not only building memories, but you're kind of fusing together like this idea of newness with each other. And that idea of newness is really what makes that spark at the beginning of a relationship and kind of those like, you know, butterfly feelings. It's all about the the new factor. And so when you try new things together, that's a really great way to get that spark and that sense of excitement back into your relationship. And there's really no better time to do that than right before you're getting married. Mm, absolutely. And I think the next point, which is, I think one of my favorites is make the honeymoon planning a priority. So uh, can you expand a yeah. little bit more on that? Of course, of course. I mean, I think whether or not you're going on your honeymoon right after the wedding, that you should still make a Pinterest board for your wedding or for your honeymoon instead of just making one for your wedding. You know, get your fiance involved if something that if he's kind of been shying away from wedding planning and kind of is like, oh, I don't really care about these foofy details, have him kind of take point on the honeymoon, but don't let him do it all by himself. You know, there's definitely traditionally the groom kind of pays for and plans the honeymoon. But it's really a great opportunity to dream together about where you'd want to go and what you want to see and what types of vacations you know, you'd want to take together, even in the future. It's a good time to start that travel bucket list and say, okay, for our honeymoon, we want to go here, but here are all the other places that we want to visit throughout our lives. And, and maybe we can find a way to combine two trips into one. I mean, it, it's just a great place to brainstorm about your travel together. And for a lot of couples, that's a really big part of the relationship of taking vacations and taking time away from work. 
and taking time just for the two of you. So I think, you know, at least for me, we're, we're leaving on our honeymoon literally the day after our wedding. And I don't know which one we're more excited about at this point. I think the honeymoon <laughs> might be winning. Um, yeah. Just because it'll be just a great experience for us to, you know, get away from everything. We won't be wedding planning for the first time in a year and a half. And um, it'll be really exciting. So I, I think that instead of kind of saying, ah, eh, we'll just, you know, we'll just go to Hawaii and get an all-inclusive package and, you know, call it a day because we don't want to plan anything. That's, I would advise against that. Mm -hmm. If you want to just pick an all-inclusive package and go to Hawaii because that's what you truly want to do, awesome, do it. But if you you really want to do something else and you're kind of settling on the honeymoon because you feel like it's too overwhelming to plan two things, I would ask couples to maybe reconsider that. Mm -hmm. And this can also be a time for the couple to take advantage of trying that new activity and maybe stepping out of their comfort zone and traveling somewhere new or doing something new that they hadn't done before. And that, that would be awesome experience for them. Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting that you say that because my fiance and I have always kind of done um, tropical type vacations together and we're actually going to Turkey for our honeymoon because it's just, it's a type of country we've never visited before. We've never been to Europe together before and it's going to be a lot more sightseeing than it is, you know, laying on a beach. Mm-hmm. And it'll be great because it's a different, it's so different than anything we've ever done together. And I do think that that's really, really important to have after the wedding and to be excited about something new after the wedding. Well, that sounds awesome. And, and that's, a, that's a great point for planning the honeymoon. Well, one of, the, one of the last things you talk about in wedding planning and to keep it fresh in the relationship is to verbalize your love. Yes. Yes, I think it's important that, you know, for all the all the moments you're saying, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, can you call the caterer? Or, hey, can you, you know, ask your mom about X for the rehearsal dinner? You know, whatever it is that, you know, we, we tend to kind of over, over plan, over honeydew um, on both sides. And I think that, you know, remembering each day to go to bed and, you know, think about why you're marrying this person and, and why this person is so important to you. Um, is really important. My fiance and I actually started this little, it's like a little jar that we write on slips of paper, things that we're excited about for the future, things we love about each other. And it's just kind of a, we don't do it every day. And we definitely don't do it as often as we, we should be doing, but we have it in our bedroom. We have the slips of paper available and we're jotting down things and making an active kind of um, commitment to remembering why we're getting married because I think when you get stressed out and you get overwhelmed and you're dealing with wedding planning work, everything else that you're doing, it can be a little difficult to find that connection um, on a daily basis. So I definitely encourage couples to, you know, whether it's in writing, whether it's verbalizing, um, however it is to make sure that you're letting your partner know how much you love them. Your partner lets you know that you're loved and that you can kind of be partners as you go through this process together. Well, I love that. Some great advice. And we'll definitely have the link to your article on your show notes page on our website at ID Podcast so that they can go there and check out each one of these uh, key points to keeping the relationship alive while wedding planning. We love it. Thank you. Great. Thank you. What do you find is the most common reason couples struggle in their relationship? I would say that, you know, a lot of people talk about communication as kind of being the backbone of a relationship and a, and a place where things can kind of go awry. But I think it's um, poor listening skills is really the, the root of, you know, miscommunication. And I think that couples really need to take the time to not only listen to each other, but to let their partners know that they're being heard. 
And that to me is really the most fundamental kind of um, breakdown of communication that can occur. Now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds. Sarah's up first. Okay, well, my question has to do with the honeymoon. Out of your research and what you found and maybe even your your personal experiences, is there a certain, I know it can vary based on each couple, but is there a certain amount that people should put toward their honeymoon in terms of how much they should pay for it or contribute toward or, or what's your experience? I think that, you know, you want to kind of figure out a discretionary budget for, you know, vacations, and, and it certainly this would include the honeymoon, um, that's kind of commensurate to your lifestyle. So I think for people, and I think, you know, with weddings and honeymoons, there's this kind of tendency to say, oh, it's our honeymoon, we should spend X, or we need to stay in the nicest hotel, or we need to do this. And I think that it's hard to give an amount because I think it's, it, as you said, very dependent on the couple. But I think that couples need to realize that whatever their normal budget is, that's probably going to be in line with what their honeymoon budget needs to be unless they have, you know, parents or friends or family members who are willing to contribute a dollar amount or, you know, you can do um, what's called a honey fund mm-hmm. where that's what we're doing. You know, instead of doing, <laughs> oh, you are great. Yeah. My best friend did that. Uh, so that I think that's a great way to kind of up that budget. But I definitely discourage couples from overspending on the honeymoon just because it's, it's like the honeymoon, like in lights. It's like this has to be the vacation. And I think that there's a lot of pressure to take that safari in Africa or travel around the world and kind of make it something where when you come back, it's like, oh, well, where'd you go? Right. And there's just a lot of like anxiety about that. And I think that couples really need to push that aside and be really realistic about what they can afford and, and what won't cause them more stress when they get home from the honeymoon mm-hmm. and post-wedding planning. Definitely. How did her, your friend's honey fund work out? Just curious. It worked out well. Yeah, it worked out really well. I think the only the only issue that she said she had with it is that Honey Fund does take a percentage mm-hmm. of yeah. what people give. So I think in that way, I think some people were like, oh, well, I'd rather have just given you a check. Yeah. And so that mm-hmm. I think that was one of the issues. But at the same time, people can go on to Honey Fund and they can see the types of things that, you know, they wanted to do was, you know, hotel stays or excursions, whatever it was. And then if they saw that, oh, they're, you know, the honey fund's going to take a portion, they would just write a check at that point and say, okay, well, I'm going to put money toward this aspect, but I'm not going to do it through honey fund. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely so it kind of a ended good up point. being a yeah. good, yeah, it's a good way to ask for money without asking for money. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, my question, we haven't really touched on it as far as in the planning process, but we know it's something that comes up is if one partner family or a, a particular family member is causing uh, like problems or, or issues during your planning because you're debating on on if they, to invite them or how to or how to like involve them in in the ceremony what can you recommend mm-hmm. to our listeners for for dealing with with that I think for me one of the most helpful things um, in terms of you know dealing with kind of various family drama, was, you know, trying to be as equitable as possible. So for us, like, I know there were a lot, we have a lot, some younger family members who were kind of expecting to be our girls or junior bridesmaids and that type of thing. And the way that we dealt with that is we just didn't have any of that. Mm. You know, we decided yeah. not to have a ring bearer. We did not have a flower girl because it, in order to be fair, we couldn't pick one person. 
So I think being equitable across the board, and if you give, you know, one grandma a job, you have to give the other grandma a job. Um, and, you know, if you have this flower girl, then you need to include all the girls as flower girls. And I think that that is a really helpful thing. In terms of people just kind of, um, if you're not sure whether to invite them or kind of figuring that out, you know, for us, it was really a matter of who are the people that we see are going to support us through our marriage and who are the people that, you know, we couldn't imagine getting married without. And there were just, there were some people on, you know, my side, a couple people on my fiance's side that were just not close with and that we really don't speak to normally. Um, and so, so far, we haven't had any backlash from that. Um, we did not extend certain people invitations. Um, and there's, you know, there's really been no issue. I think if you're questioning whether or not you're, you need to invite somebody, um, it's a great idea to talk with your parents. If your parents are involved in the planning and, and paying for, for some of the wedding, as traditionally some of them do, and that can be a way to uh, help facilitate the situation because parents can kind of deliver news like, oh, they're having a very small wedding. I'm so sorry that you weren't included, but budget-wise, we just couldn't do it. Or there's, there's definitely ways to kind of, I don't want to say right. throw your parents under the bus, but let them play messenger mm-hmm. as much as possible. Um, I know that's something that we, we did, and it's, it's worked out so far. Um, but, you know, you can't really plan a wedding and create a guest list and, and create kind of all of this without having some degree of issues. And, you know, we've definitely had our share of people who in our family who we thought we would definitely come to the wedding who decided not to. People who invited a plus one who they definitely were not given a plus one. <laughs> so you have to expect some degree of drama, misunderstandings, uh, hurt feelings, and to say like, missed expectations in some ways. Um, you know, you're going to have some family members that really step up and and surprise you with how helpful and how wonderful that they really are being. And then you're going to have others that surprise you with disappointment, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Well, now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Natasha, are you ready to help us build lasting love? Heck yeah, I am. (laughs) All right. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? This might sound a little odd, but a long hug. There are lots of studies that show that physical touch and specifically hugging is very important to kind of foster those uh that hormone of oxytocin that is the, called the love hormone. And I think a long hug when your partner leaves for work or when you leave for work and when you both get home at the end of a long day, that is an easy, concrete thing that you can do every day that will strengthen your relationship. It's not odd at all. We love it. We love hugs. <laughs> <laughs> is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? Yes. Besides my own book, 101 Quizzes for Couples, Mm -hmm. I actually recommend um, The Five Love Languages, uh, which is a book by Gary Chapman. And it's uh, it's something that my fiance and I have been reading as we've been engaged. And it's very, very um, insightful. And uh, I definitely recommend couples picking that one up. Great. Well, uh, the five love languages as well as your book will be on your show notes page on idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to find your great resources. Thank you. Great. So as you know, we're getting married this year, like we talked about. Is there any any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? Hmm. 
I would say throughout the engagement process and, and in wedding planning, I would say my biggest thing would be to try not to take things personally. Because I think you're not only dealing with, I mean, as I said earlier, your family members, your friends, your partner, you're hiring vendors. Everybody's going to have their own opinions, agendas, desires for you. And I think, you know, staying true to what you want, what works for you as a couple, and really being firm in that and practicing that and practicing putting you guys first and also practicing not taking things personally will very much make this entire process so much smoother and also sets you up for a great foundation for married life. You know, marriage is all about putting yourself first, obviously, but putting your partnership the very, very, very close second. And I think that, you know, staying strong and staying committed to each other and what works for you guys is, is just a great thing to keep practicing. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? I would say to never forget what brought you together in the first place. That if there's a way, if you, you know, kept a journal when you first started dating or if you have any emails from the beginning of your relationship, when times get hard and when you're struggling or you're worried about something or you're not feeling loved, to go back to those things and to, you know, remember that flush of emotion and those flush of feelings that brought you together in the first place. Well, that's so helpful. And that's great advice for our listeners. And we've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you. And then we'll say goodbye. Great. Yes, you guys can find me at NatashaBurton.com. And um, that's, that's the best place. Our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. Thank you so much for all your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you guys so much. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love?